Welcome to the podcast of Azel Christian Church. We are a Disciples of Christ Church community in Azel, Texas. We invite everyone to be who you are with us, the doubting, the believing, the wondering, and everything in between. On this podcast, you'll hear our pastor, Reverend Ashley Dargai, preach on how the expansive and generative love of God is seen through Jesus, the prophets, the early church, and the faith forebears, and how this love helps us care for the world more deeply and faithfully. Sometimes it's messy and tough, but it's good news, and it is for you. Our text today is on the back of your bulletin. It's Acts 2, 1 through 21. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as of fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages, as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at this sound the crowd gathered and was bewildered, because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each each of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. In our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others sneered and said, they are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk, as you suppose, for it is only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show portents in the heaven above, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Each year, monarch butterflies migrate from as far north as Canada to as far south as Mexico to escape the cold winter. And then in the spring, they return north. And while this is a common story for flying creatures, What makes this migration unique is not the migration itself, 
but rather how many generations of butterflies it takes to get from the beginning of the migration to the end. The lifespan of the monarch butterfly is only a few weeks, so it actually takes multiple generations to finally make it back north. And some of these journeys end up being as long as 3,000 miles. And yet, every year, monarch butterflies make the journey south to the same place where their great-great-grandparents were the year before. Consider the journeys you have taken in your life and have still to take. The idea of traveling all those miles through multiple landscapes and terrains and weather conditions should result in finally arriving at your anticipated destination, right? But the monarch butterfly sees it differently. To the monarch, migration is a reminder of what it means to pave the way, to carry on on a journey that you might not actually live to see the end of. Think about the monarch butterflies in the middle of the migration, the ones who maybe never lived to see either Mexico or Canada. And yet they are still a part of this path that many other butterflies have taken. They are still a part of the journey, even if it's only for a few weeks. Consider the joy of the monarch who arrives at the destination, giving thanks for the one who began the journey before them. Consider that this migration is not one single butterfly's journey or one single generation's journey, but rather the ongoing cyclical work of a whole species, carrying on the ritual ingrained in their DNA Monarch butterflies migrate, not because they are concerned with their individual survival and flourishing, but because it is their work to do for the survival and flourishing of the species. There's a book I read a few years back called Flight Behavior by Barbara King Solver. And in this novel, she describes a desperate woman running into the woods during a moment of crisis. And as she comes up to the top of the hill, she looks down at the trees, and it looks like they are on fire. It seems the flames are moving in a semi-synchronized pattern across the tops of the trees, but not burning up the tree, much like Moses' account of the burning bush. But it was not fire. It was monarch butterflies mid-migration, stopping for a moment on their harrowing journey inviting the woman to stop on her own harrowing journey to witness this miracle. Pentecost, for the Jewish people, was a celebration of God's covenant with Israel. Fifty days after Passover, the Jewish people came to Jerusalem to celebrate Pentecost, to acknowledge the renewal of their covenant with the maker of heaven and earth. And they had done this for generations, carrying on a tradition of their faith forebearers. Christianity was not a thing yet when the Holy Spirit came onto the scene. This Jewish sect would break off and form its own identity in time. But this moment in Acts is considered the birth of the church. With fire and wind and chaos and commotion, the Holy Spirit arrives, the gift of presence Jesus promised his disciples. 
And our text says that all Jewish people and languages were represented. Even those who would be considered outsiders were there, pointing toward the radical inclusivity where the church was headed. Every nation under heaven is at this gathering, the text says. Which is not literally true in this story, but neither is it mere hyperbole. It's Luke's way of picturing the church at its beginning as already containing the seeds of what is to come. He's imagining what can scarcely be imagined. And the story contains a useful warning that the Spirit's movement is not always clearly interpreted as the work of the Spirit. One can be in the presence of the Holy Spirit's activity and regard the participants as drunk on wine at nine in the morning. Just as one can stand at the Red Sea and see only a fortunate wind event rather than an act of God. God's movements, the story seems to be saying, are not always so obvious that they cannot be misinterpreted or misunderstood. And so Peter gets up and he tries to help those who do not understand that this commotion is indeed a work of the Spirit. And he points us way, way back to the prophet Joel who proclaimed that there would come a day when the Spirit would be poured out and sons and daughters would prophesy and dream dreams. And today is that day, Peter says. It seems, then, that Joel's prophetic prayer in the mouth of Peter both stretches back and stretches forward. Because this Pentecost story is a small piece of time. And as everyone is sitting down to breakfast, the Spirit of God knocks down the door and thus stretches this piece of time and extends it across the thresholds of time and pulls it across borders and allegiances and identities, proclaiming the scandalous truth that the Holy Spirit does not respect the boundaries and fences we build as humans. The Holy Spirit has no time or patience, it seems, for our neatly defined categories of who is in and who is out, or how we communicate, or how the reign of God will come to be. She instead knocks down the door and sets things on fire and blurs the lines of division, almost like a blob of slime, just, you know, just creeping at all the boundaries and disintegrating everything it touches. And in this case, the blob of slime is touching all the ways we define our factions and propriety. And in the cacophony of this moment, we get to see that God comes to us in our bodies and speaks our language. So that it seems the word of God not only transcends cultural barriers, but it also arrives in the particular language of each listener. Of course, God speaking our language does not mean mere relativity of truth, that God's truth can be whatever we make it to be, but rather God speaking our language means that Pentecost verifies the promise of Christmas, the incarnation of God, which is always transformational. God with us means the us is changed by God with. And in the same way, the spirit in and among us means that the us is changed by the spirit in and among. And this is the promise of baptism. 
we end our worship series about membership at Azel today with this final marker. And it might be a bit strange to be ending a series on baptism rather than beginning the series with it. Because after all, baptism is kind of our thing as Christians. Whenever I have to explain to people who the disciples of Christ are, I begin with, well, we really love communion and baptism. (laughs) And you might have noticed that in the text we read, there is no baptism. It comes later in the chapter. But as disciples, we believe that the Holy Spirit is given to us in the act of baptism. Like Pastor Katie said, a means of God's grace and the beginning of being made more like Christ, a process that we call sanctification. And we often think of baptism as birth. And what we learn as Christians, what many of you here could testify to, is that we are born again and again in our lives. That baptism is not a single point in history but rather it is something we are caught up in and return to over and over. We emerge from our chrysalis, as the monarchs do, over and over again. Because in a way, the Holy Spirit is always being given to us. Like in our litany, the Spirit intercedes on our behalf, praying in us and through us, for us, Like in the song Nicole just sang, the Spirit inspires, conspires, and lights fires. And each time someone is baptized, each time we contemplate our baptism, we are reminded of the wide, wide community that we are planted in through this sacrament. A people that stretches back to Jesus and stretches forward into the future long after we're gone. It stretches us down the road to the Methodists, and across the ocean to our African and Asian siblings who worship in different tongues. Because the journey of faith, as we have seen throughout the series, is that it is not one we make alone. We make it together. We do it for one another. We lean on each other, knowing that we might not see the end of our collective journey, but trusting that our lives makes a way for others. We are here because people have gone before us. This is our second Sunday in the Heritage Chapel. We've gone from worshiping in our homes to worshiping outside to now moving into this old chapel for the time being. And while it may be the first time this collection of people have moved from worship in their homes to worship outdoors to worship in the chapel, it is not the first time Azel Christian Church has done it. Azel's forebears charted this flight pattern, and we follow it, even though we ourselves have not made this flight before. And it makes me wonder what it means to be the people who looked at the room with Peter and saw not chaos, but the spirit. How do we become people like that? How can we look at what feels like utter upheaval to us and see the movement of radical inclusion and hope in God? What does it take to hear what initially sounds like disjointed community 
and instead hear God speaking through our different languages and experiences? What feels like the crumbling of foundations but might actually be the spirit breaking down walls and divisions? What if having Pentecost vision means seeing what to some may feel like utter change, but is actually the continued work of God in new tongues? And what if our baptism calls us to see what is dead is not a sealed deal, but the promise of new life over and over again is a sure thing? How would our life be different? if we let ourselves fall into the water fresh, swan diving into the Spirit's work. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Azel Christian Church podcast. Azel Christian Church exists to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ through meaningful liturgy during worship, a public witness through outreach in the community, the nurturing of the spiritual life of every age group, and the witness of each member through discipleship, baptism, and the sharing of resources. To support this podcast and the ministries of Azel Christian Church, visit azelchristianchurch.org. Here you can contribute through giving online or find our Venmo information. If you're looking for a church or simply want to talk to one of our ministers, contact us through our website and we will be in touch. Talk to you soon.